five, four, three, two, one. Space to cover for Milrow. Still looking. Firing. Near corner. It's caught. Touchdown, Alabama. Isaiah Bond. On a fourth and a mile. 31 yards. Touchdown time. For the win. It is good. Washington survives. Cup insanity. Third down and four. Jones under pressure from Simmons. Tipped off. Isaiah Simmons was in the face of Mac Jones and Bobby O'Karake. Brings it back for the Giants. Finally brought down inside the 25 yard line. This would be a backbreaker for Buffalo fans, and this would be the pedigree of championship teams. Jets have opened the practice window for quarterback Aaron Rodgers' return. You're listening to another edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Here's your host, Peter J. Mulroy. Sorry about the minor tech glitch just to open the show there. Apologies there across the board, but welcome to this edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Friday, December 1st, as we flip the calendar to December, a touch after 7 p.m. on the East Coast, and you heard it in the open. I mean, last week was a monster week on multiple levels. You get that thrilling Alabama win, and it just, it just again, is another situation where no matter what happens, no matter how tested they are in the beginning of the year, even might lose a game, Alabama never, ever goes away. And it's a product of who continues to lead that program. And it's Nick Saban. You look at what happened in the Washington Wazoo game. Game winning field goal to keep Washington in the race. We're going to get into everything as far as college football is concerned in about 20 minutes or so. Because it's conference championship weekend. That actually starts tonight for those listening live. Oregon, Washington, round two, Pac-12 championship game. It's going to be unbelievable. And then you look at what's happening in the NFL, and I want to start there. You get two wins in a row for the Giants, and that's great. Obviously, it's a fun story locally, but when you look around the league, right, Giants are, you know, you know, small apples, right? They're they're not going anywhere this year. Granted, they're only two games out of the playoff chase right now uh, in an NFC that continues to basically eat itself. Um, But this is more of a situation on the big players walking into yet another upcoming two big weeks, right? In two weeks' time, you're going to get Dallas and Philly again after a thrilling contest. But you've got uh, a couple of weeks ago, but you've got a bunch of big games um, to kick off week 13 that really piggybacks what was a good week 12. Now, obviously, the biggest news, and you heard it at the end from the Pat McAfee podcast, that Aaron Rodgers was given clearance to return to the practice field. Now, how that works is this. Everyone knows, and this news came out earlier in the week, so the clock started. It's a 21-day window. 
And what that means is the Jets now have that time to determine based on record, based on placement in the standings, based on really the overall availability of Rodgers from a health perspective and does it make sense, they'll have that time frame to decide if he'll be back. Now, the the date that's being floated around for a potential Aaron Rodgers return would be Christmas Eve against the Washington Commanders. But you look at the Jets now, right? And we'll, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead here on purpose because outside of the games themselves, this is clearly the biggest news, right? Rodgers was on the shelf 11 weeks ago, right? You've, you, you've got the torn ACL in game one. So this is 11 weeks ago, and now the Jets basically have, as we sit here live at 7.05 p.m. on the East Coast on Friday, December 1st, less than three weeks to figure this out. Is it huge news? Of course. We're talking about a future Hall of Famer here. But what it overall, what this might mean for the Jets and the franchise this year, it depends. Because as constituted right now, the Jets are a bad football team. They're 4-7. and seven, not in the race, and when you look at sort of what they have coming up, Aaron Rodgers is absolutely, undeniably not going to come back by week 16 if the Jets are not, by some miracle, in playoff contention. I will say that again. This is a 4-17 and with three games coming up against playoff contending squads. The Falcons are 5-6. and six. NFC South is lousy, and they're at the top of it. The Texans, who have been the darling of the league this year with C.J. Stroud, they're right in the thick of things at 6-5. and five. And then the AFC East leading Dolphins at 8-3. and three. Those are the Jets' next three games with no quarterback play, and they're 4-7 and seven now. So they would need an absolute miracle. So let me repeat what I had just said. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely, 100% undeniably not going to come back by the Week 16 Christmas Eve game against Washington if the Jets are not somehow in playoff contention. It would be complete insanity. What would be 14 weeks removed from a torn ACL from Week 1 to 16, 15 weeks, Home game that doesn't matter in the cold with a forty-one with a forty-year-old quarterback. It's not going to happen. So if we assume, let's say the Jets go one and two in that stretch, for argument's sake, they'd be five and nine. You're out of it. You're going to bring back a forty-year-old quarterback? No, it would be absurd. With the the bells and whistles and the hoops that you had to jump through to get him, Rodgers will and probably should just take that rehab into the offseason. So he's hopefully ready to roll for the 24-25 campaign, which will be his age 41 season. So this is phenomenal news. But the problem here is, for the Jets, the record. So you've got the 21-day practice window for Rodgers. This is giving him again. For those who may be unclear, time to come off injured reserve, where he's basically been living for the past four months. Bad football team, we've seen that. 
a defense that is great in spots, but an offense that can't do anything. Would Aaron Rodgers help? Absolutely. He is going to walk into the Hall of Fame when he's good and ready. But you are playing with absolute fire. If you bring this guy back with a minuscule, almost impossible chance at the playoffs and something bad happens, career over. Things like that can't be dismissed. That's why this is exciting. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best to do it. Gunslinger, takes chances, polarizing on and off the field. Gets her out of this and they bring him back. It would be the most get thing to have ever happened. Salary side. Let's not pretend like this is something that we didn't see coming. Aaron Rodgers has been talking about this for weeks. Here it is. But this guy, folks, ain't playing. He's not 100%, and especially if this football team is not in playoff contention, which right now on December 1st, they are not. With that being said, I know he's he's chomping at the bit to do this. Our buddy Vin, uh, our, one of our loyal listeners, is on. Vin, I know you got a lot to say, man. What's going on? How are you? Hi, Pete. How are you, buddy? How's everything going? Good, brother. It's good to talk to you. Okay. First of all, I think you misspoke. You said it was an ACL. It's an Achilles tear. Achilles rupture. Yes, thank you. Okay, it's an Achilles rupture. Second of all, he's not even three months out yet from so-called surgery. Okay? That's impossible to come back 100%. It's impossible to come back 50% from an Achilles injury in three months, which is his target Christmas. It's impossible. He has been on the DL for two and a half months. He had surgery two months and three weeks ago. It's absolutely impossible for that Achilles tendon to heal that soon. It's an eight-month injury. The earliest guy who ever came back was Cam Akers, six months, and he had problems. So there's something very nefarious going around. Did I use that word, word in the correct context? Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, I know what you're I didn't go to. I didn't go to St. Peter's. I went to Port Richmond. So, just, <laughs> all right. I didn't go to St. Peter's. There's something, there's something nefarious going on here. I got a couple of wild ideas. I think he's just coming back to save Hackett's job. That's my personal opinion. That him back in the building, him back at practice, will save his buddy's job. That's number one. Okay. Number two, if he do, if he does come back, he never tore that Achilles tendon which is a rumor floating around by many news organizations right now. May I repeat myself? It is impossible to come back from the Achilles rupture in three months. Impossible. This, this injury ends careers at that age. It ends Dan Marino's testiverities. Took Kevin Durant a year and a half to come back from it. Yes. It took Clay Thompson over a year to come back from it. It's not an injury you come back in three months. That Achilles has to fully heal. You have to rehab it, stretch it. That thing is just, it's, it's, it's sort of like this. You get 50 stitches on your eye and you're a boxer. You don't come back in three months. You're not back for a year. Because the first time you get hit on it, it busts open. That's, that's the way it is. I, I tore my Achilles. I know something about this injury. I tore it back in 2011 playing football, actually, at Bloomingdale Park. I, I wasn't, my leg wasn't normal for two years. You know, I don't get the rehab he got, but I got pretty good rehab. 
and my leg still isn't the same. I, the, the muscle atrophy that you get from not being able to use your leg shrinks your leg down 75%. It's just a very brutal injury. And, and you got to put it this way, Pete. When he was healthy, he wasn't able to get – he got chased down and got hurt in four plays. Who's to say now, him with an Achilles ruptured surgery, he's going to be able to run away from 24, 25-year-old guys running four fours. It's impossible. So all this nonsense has to stop. These dopey Jet fans, they just have to – they have to smarten up. And first of all, the Jets would have the same record with Aaron Rodgers anyway right now. Somebody has to – everybody – somebody has to get fired here. Joe Douglas, Robert Salah, Daniel Hackett, this team refused to address the offensive line. They refused to address this offensive line. They refused – every guy that Rodgers brought in is a horror show. With that said, let me hear your thoughts. I, look, I, I like the correlation there that you made with Cam, Cam Akers because it speaks to recency, which is important when you're talking about injuries and moments like this. But as far as the, the – I don't even I, – I, I'm hesitant to even call it a gripe because I know how exciting this is and I know what this would mean to Jet fans. The problem is it would be exponentially more powerful and, and, and such a more a poignant moment in time, especially this football season, if the Jets' record were flipped, even at five and six, instead of four and seven, he's, they got some he still nice wouldn't be coming back, though. He still wouldn't be coming I, back, I though. Don't, you don't, you don't come back from this injury in three months. It's impossible. It's impossible. And, and that's the thing. I, I don't get it. I don't see it, and I don't understand it. I think there is an element of playing with fire here. That if the Jets do decide in less than three weeks, yeah, we're going to give this a roll. Uh, let's throw number eight out there at Christmas Eve, if you will. It's not happening, Pete. Because if he gets hurt, if he gets hurt, a lousy line. If he gets hurt, everybody's getting fired. And if he tears that Achilles again, guess what? He's not coming back next year. I just don't because think there's an overwhelmingly you, I, I, I was at my doctor. No, listen. If you tear that Achilles after you know what surgery. I mean? Yeah, if you say if you yeah. tear that Achilles after surgery, you're done. You're finished. It's over. Correct. So this yeah, is and, just. And again, I, uh, I, per, I, God, I personally think he's there oh, God, just to save I personally think he's there to save Hackett's job. Bring him in the building. It's all for show. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Well, I pre and Vinny, as always, I appreciate the call, brother. Thank you for checking in. Uh, and if if you are around. A lot of these uh, jet board, these jet, you know, jet fans are among the most passionate in sports. That sentiment that Vinny shares there about Rodgers being around or potentially making this triumphant Willis Reed type return to the gridiron just to save Hackett, Vinny is is not in a league of his own. There, that is something I have seen come up. Uh, there are people that question uh, the overall severity of this injury. Uh, can it be totally dismissed that maybe this guy really takes care of himself and the rehab went well? No, but it is it, it is highly unlikely with an injury like this. Uh, Vin went through it from personal experience, which is great. That's why I appreciated the phone call. Um, the mountain you have to climb to get back. And Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal athlete, but at the end of the day, father time does always win. When you got more tread on the tires, it becomes harder. And Aaron Rodgers is pushing 40. So the Jets have to be very careful here. I don't think it's going to happen, folks. But I think it would be absolutely insane to bring this man back 
regardless of what he says, put him behind a lousy offensive line in a meaningless game with a really tough three-game stretch coming up against the Falcons, Texans, Dolphins. Makes no sense. Cool story? Sure. Hell yeah. I mean, we're talking about it right now at 7-16 on a Friday night. Yeah, it's big news. I don't see it. There's no way the Jets decide after this window closes. And, and, and McAfee and his crew were actually talking about it the other day. That's why I used that clip, that this actually happens. There's just no way that, to me, that there's any justification that, th- that th- the Jets would think that this is a good idea. You want to inject some life into the fan base with a rah-rah moment here? Cool. I can get behind that. I get it. Because I don't think they're totally blowing smoke. I think there are people in the building that believe this guy's coming back. Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Of course, he's a professional freaking athlete. He wants to play. Just doesn't make any sense. At some point, you got to worry about numero uno. And this is going on 12 weeks now. That's a short window to recover from an injury such as this one. Moving ahead by backtracking a little bit, you go back to last week. You know, we had mentioned some of the teams involved in this playoff race. And as you look at it, we'll we'll take a look at the NFC first because I want to talk a little bit about Green Bay. You've got the Eagles, Niners, Lions, Falcons. That's your top four. So those are your host teams. Philly obviously gets a bye. They've got the best record in the league. They're the best team in the league. And they showed that again last week with a thrilling overtime victory over Buffalo where Jalen Hurts just did everything in his power to take that team to victory. Five, six, and seven, Cowboys, Vikings, Seahawks. Vikings and Seahawks at six and six. Green Bay's victory last week, and we talked a little bit about this because the Thanksgiving games jump-started the week. That touchdown victory over Detroit was twofold. It keeps Green Bay... Now five and six instead of four and seven percentage points out of a playoff spot. But what it also might have done was given birth to Jordan Love. Three touchdowns in the 29-22 victory when Green Bay needed it the most. And Green Bay's got some speed on this team. They've got some good look at Christian Watson when he's healthy. You've got some Jordan Reed, another good-looking young wide receiver. You've got opportunity. Tight end Luke Musgrove, when he's healthy, this team can play. And the problem had been with Jordan Love early in the season with the the interception count. But as I said last week, the guy hadn't played. He was backing up Aaron Rodgers. His first year starts with a bang, with a big victory over a, a, a competitive, but again, underwhelming Bears team, and then kind of fell out of favor a little bit. Then all he does is go on the road to a rival first place team and knock them off in front of their home crowd on a holiday. I think you got to watch this Green Bay team as this playoff picture continues to develop. And you take another big storyline from last week, the Falcons leap, leapfrogging the Saints via tiebreaker for the top spot in the NFC South. Now, the NFC South is a bad division. And it basically is going to come down to the Falcons and the Saints here. You know, I suppose a game back, you're not totally dismissive of the Buccaneers, but I don't think anybody's taking them too seriously. You know, for my money, I'd like the Falcons to come out of this division anyway, especially after knocking off the Saints a week ago. And then look what happened in that Jacksonville-Texans game. 
you don't think that could have been a potential look at what the future holds in that AFC South with the Jaguars squeaking one out on the road over C.J. Stroud and company in Houston? You know, you look at that AFC playoff picture from a wild card perspective. The Texans are on the bubble. On the If the playoffs started today, they're out. You've got Houston and Denver at 6-5, and five, would not make the playoffs right now as a wild card or division winner. The Colts hanging on by a thread, second in the AFC South. The Texans are third in the AFC South. Despite the loss, Cleveland's still in, 7-4. and four. They'd be the sixth seed. Pittsburgh, perhaps the surprise of the AFC at 7-4. and four. And then your top four in the AFC, Baltimore, KC, Jacksonville, Miami. Those are four good teams there. I mean, this playoff picture is a thing of beauty right now if you like competition. But I'm interested to see. Ultimately, I do think the Houston Texans will make their way into the postseason. It's going to be a tough path for a Buffalo Bills team at 6-6. Six and six. They really could have used that win last week in Philadelphia, and they just couldn't get it. Couldn't get the stops when they needed after taking the lead in overtime via field goal. Just couldn't get stops. They are not a bad team, but they do not do those things they were doing two, three years ago to come out with the W, which is why Miami's got a two-game lead atop the division. As far as those wild card teams in the NFC, you know, I, I mentioned the Giants because, again, it's a New York-heavy show, uh, a, a national show with a New York twist. Four and eight, two games out. They, you would need the, the miracle of all miracles. You got a better shot at the Jets being in contention. Aaron Rodgers coming back and playing well than you probably do of the New York Giants making the playoffs this year. It's cool to watch. It's been a fun story with Tommy DeVito. Uh, four touchdown passes over the last two weeks. Two wins for the Giants. Looks like the defense is waking back up. But too big of a hole. You know, I think the frustrating thing is outside of lousy offensive line and quarterback play, uh, even when Daniel Jones was there early in the season for this Giants team, was missed opportunities. Should have had a victory over Buffalo. Should have had a victory over the Jets. You're looking at 6-6 six and six instead of 4-8. and eight. You know, hindsight's always 20-20 here, but for the New York Giants, you know, that's what it was coming down to. Despite all of those hurdles and roadblocks, you had the opportunities and you weren't able to do it. So other teams will now take advantage. Green Bay very much still in that mix, as I said. And how good is this Philadelphia team? All they do is find ways to win. And you heard the clip in the open where Tony Romo said, no matter what happens, you don't have to win the yards gain battle. You don't have to win the rush yards gain battle. Just find a way to get the W. And they did. Again. We're going to get into the picks momentarily uh, for week 13 because, it's again, it's another great slate. Uh, but let's bring in our, our buddy Joe Jett here, uh, who just chimed in. We'll get him on the line. Joe, what's up, brother? How are you? Hey, Peter. How you doing, man? Happy Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, you too, brother. What's going on? Uh, I think we all know what's going on, right? We haven't spoken in a while. And uh, as usual, as Jet fans, here we are into December, finding ourselves in our usual position, right? Yeah, and, and let and let's elephant in the room here. Obviously, it's exciting. It's big news with the twenty-one day window for Aaron Rodgers with the Jets to make this decision. Uh, you know, one of our, our loyal listeners, Vinny, called in before 
to talk about and give his, you know, sort of two cents on the situation. This is insane, right? To to potentially bring this guy back, Joe, at four and seven with three games coming up against playoff contending teams. This would be insane to bring this man back Christmas Eve, no? Well, I mean, I think as we all know, Peter, um, Aaron Rodgers is going to do what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. A thousand percent. Right. If he's cleared by the doctors and he wants to play, you know, he's going to do it. And me personally, you know, as diehard Jet fan, it doesn't matter if he plays this year or not. Is it insane? Again, this isn't our call. It's up to him and, and whatever it is, it is, you know. But, uh, you know, one thing about Aaron Rodgers, and let's talk about him since we brought him up. Sure. And I, listen, I'm still on the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon, you know, and look, you know, he's embraced the Jets and everything. But mm-hmm. let's be honest. Deep down, didn't Aaron Rodgers really come to the Jets so he can kind of do what Aaron Rodgers wants to do at any moment? He well, I think there was the frustration right? that was brewing with him in Green Bay and you know, despite, you know, some of the, the qualities he may have off the field, just, and I'm not even talking about, you know, some of the medical things. I could care less about that. Just the comments he made where you could agree with Aaron Rodgers with wanting to get out of Green Bay is the fact that everything he did, they wouldn't surround him with weapons. When he came to the Jets, it, would, it they were doing it before they knew they were going to bring him on board. So I could see the excitement for him wanting to be a Jet. And yeah, Joe, that's a really good point you made. I didn't think of it in those in those terms. Hey, these guys are bringing in who I want before I even put pen to paper. What else can I do while I'm here? Yeah, and you know what, Peter? That's one thing I disagree with. And by the way, let's look at who Aaron Rodgers brought in. Do I got to bring up the names? Nathaniel Hackett, Alan Lazard, this guy Turner on the offensive line, uh, Cobb, uh, uh, Reggie Cobb. These guys are horrible. Mm -hmm. They're terrible. And the Jet organization is so lost. Joe Douglas, 24 and 53 as a GM. Robert Sala, 15 and 30 as a head coach. Yeah. These are guys that should be fired. This would never last. It's amazing almost, Peter, what I see. I, I And I think the one thing is, is when you look at the makeup of the team as, as, as constituted now with the, with the lackluster offensive line and almost a seemingly you know, lack of desire or either inability uh, to, to build this offensive line up, knowing who you were going to bring in to be the quarterback, that's on Douglas. But at what point, Joe, because it doesn't seem to me, and again, I have said this many, many times on my program, I don't cut people off unless you're disrespectful, and I don't call for people's jobs. But at what point, Joe, when you just said, and I said it last week, the record for Rob Sala as a head coach, at what point is a coach held accountable for the resume that he is printing out? At what point is the record going to matter? Can you say, well, we're, we're getting rid of the garbage and we're, we're trying to turn the page? Jets have been turning the page for 30 freaking years. At what point can you say, hey, the Sala thing is not working out? I get there's other things around him. But the solid thing is not working out. I think the Giants have figured that out with Daniel Jones, even though they're probably going to be stuck with him for another year. When do the Jets say, we've had enough here? This is on the head coach at some point. He's got to go. I mean, am I being too hard there, Joe? 15 and 30 is 15 and 30. 
Nope, you are 100% correct, Peter. But once again, Aaron Rodgers likes Robert Sala, so none of these guys are in jeopardy until this Aaron Rodgers experiment takes place next year. They could lose out. Sala could lose six in a row the rest of the way here, which would be 10 in a row down the stretch. But if Aaron Rodgers wants him as the coach, he's going to be the head coach. That goes back to what we talked about earlier. So you are of the opinion, and you feel as a lifelong Jet fan and someone who's invested in the franchise, that Rob Sala is going to be the head coach of the Jets next year so long as number eight's under center? I, I, you know what, at least for one year, because Robert Sala's excuses, well, you know, I had Zach Wilson for three years. That's, you know, that's his little out, you know. I had to deal with Zach for three years. What's the point of having coaches then? Uh, right. You're supposed Your to have job. staff to develop. They go through exactly. the carousels in college football all the time. But at some point, you have to build up a program or you're gone. Right. You see this happening less and less oh. in the NFL. I mean, oh. the Houston Texans hit the home run of home runs with D'Amico Ryans because they were willing to take chances and cut the fat. The right. Jets don't seem to want to do that. That's correct, Peter. And one other thing, Peter, you know how, you know, let me just say one thing. From people I know at Florham Park, yeah. everything, Mike McCarthy wanted this jet job in the worst way. He had a plan, Peter. He, and look at them now. Look how good Dallas is. Do you see that offense last night? They put up 45 points, whatever. They are, I mean, and I got to watch this now, knowing he could have been our head coach, and I got this guy on my sideline. Believe me, Peter, I'm fit to be tied. You don't even know. I I, I have a pretty good sense, and I think our yeah. listeners too as well, Joe. Uh, right. uh, listen, real quick, uh, yeah. be because you brought it up, and I'm going to get into my uh, Week 13 picks, you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys offense. In your opinion, yes or no, Dak Prescott, the league favorite right now for the MVP? Wow. I mean, you know, I maybe maybe there's still six weeks left, five weeks left. I'm not ready to to say that, but boy, he's got to be into some sort of consideration. And yeah. he looks hungry, you know, he looks hungry. Let's not forget Jalen Hurts. How great is he playing? Exactly. And and, and I think it's one two. You know, Mahomes will get looks, obviously. Right. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and all uh, Lamar Jackson, but to me it's Dak and it's Jalen right now. There's no doubt. And, Peter, one more. Can you tell me how Jalen Hurts went 53rd in the draft a couple of years ago? Who passed on this guy? Yeah. I I think a lot of times, sometimes if, if the scenario doesn't work out, you know, he was a transfer, lost his job in college to Tua, then went to Oklahoma, built himself back up. I don't think too many people foresaw this from Jalen Hurts. And maybe we were sleeping because he yeah. is nothing. He's fun to watch. He's a super likable guy. I mean, as a lifelong Giant fan, I never thought I would say this about a Philadelphia Eagle team. They're a pretty freaking likable bunch led by Jalen Hurts. And, yes. you know, this, the coach is, is, is quirky and all that, but he gets yeah. results. I mean, Mike McDaniels is quirky as they come and they get results. Just because these guys have a little personality to them doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing. Rob Sala half the time runs out there like a wet napkin. And he just regurgitates the same things over and over and over again. If you had some enthusiasm, and and that's, you know, we've seen a different, and, and I talk about that. I don't want to sound like I'm just bashing the guy. You've seen that this year from Brian Dable, too, where the rah-rah get jacked up from a year ago is not there this year. Granted, wins and losses obviously play a huge role in that. But you need that fire. And, it you know, the fire that we had a year ago, even with a seven-win Jet team and what the Giants were doing, should have paved the way for more results we thought this year and more excitement, and it's been completely the, op the complete opposite. 
That's but I, correct, you know, I, Peter. And Peter, all my Jet fans, all the guys that are with me every week, you know, Nikki and Joan Palzieri, Joe Dana, all the guys that are with me every Sunday, we all agree. Chris Byers, we all agree that 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 Robert Sala is a marionette puppet for Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson. Yeah. Where have they been all year? Doris, is is Joe Douglas gonna answer why they didn't get Carson Wentz when 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 Rogers went down? We went into a season with a, with Zach Wilson, who was benched for Mike White last year and replaced later in the season by Chris Trebler, and you're going to say he was going to be good to complete the season? And yeah. no one has an answer for this, Peter? Wild. Yep. Wild. Listen, go uh, go, 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 have a nice cold beverage. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna watch Oregon. I'm gonna watch Oregon, oh. Washington, also in a little while. Okay. So. Oh man, that could be the game of the year. I, I'm I'm gonna be doing the same thing in about 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, listen, brother, thank you for the phone call as always, Joe. Absolutely, Peter. Talk to you next time. All right. That's two home run phone calls we got here already tonight. So let's let's get right into it. You got the week 13 around the NFL: Ravens, Bills, Bears, Raiders, Vikings, Giants, all on the bye. Uh, and it started with Dallas eking one out over Seattle. If if you went, you know, full-blown on Dallas on the cover there and you switched it, Seattle played a good game at 41-35. This is a Seattle team that remains right in this race. Playoffs started today. Seattle's in, but barely. Green Bay breathing down their neck. You got Arizona going to Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh's going to be a monster favorite in this game, and they should be. You, I, I don't see, barring a complete mental lapse, where Pittsburgh, even with Kyler Murray running around for Arizona again, where the Steelers lose this game. Atlanta goes to the Jets. Their tickets are going for like $15, $20. This is a 1 o'clock kick on Sunday the 3rd. Uh, Atlanta's going to be the favorite. They should be the favorite. They are the better team. Um, you know, I, I think Desmond Ritter sometimes with the two picks last week, even though Atlanta was able to knock off New Orleans, scares you. But I think Atlanta's able to do enough potentially on the ground with Corderell Patterson having a little bit of a renaissance. I think this is an Atlanta team that goes in and gets the job done to get back to 500. Denver goes to Houston. Huge game. Absolute huge game. Both teams 6 and 5. Ironically enough in the AFC, if the playoffs started today, both teams on the outside looking in. Houston almost stuck one out last week at home against Jacksonville. I think they do it this week against Denver. I think it's low scoring. I think it's a good defensive game. You know, Denver's defense and in spots leaves a lot to be desired. And I think Stroud and company, Tank Dell, uh, can take advantage of this on the outside. I like Houston in a close one. Detroit goes to the Saints. It's never an easy place to play. One o'clock kick in New Orleans. This is a bounce back for Detroit. Goff's got to be better. And now he's going to have to be better on the road when Detroit needs it. You want to create even more space in that division with Green Bay and Minnesota seemingly battling it out for wild card spots. I like Detroit here, and I like Detroit fairly comfortably. The Colts go to Tennessee. You know, I thought a lot about this one. Had I done the show yesterday with Tennessee at home, I probably would have gone with the Titans. You know, I think the future's okay there at quarterback so long as Rabel and company are able to develop Will Levis. But right now, I've got to go Indianapolis going on the road. And again, second in their division. Colts are in if the postseason starts today. That's how wild this AFC has been, specifically the AFC South with the Jaguars, a two-game lead, but the Colts and Texans continuing 
to shuffle around one another. The Chargers go to the Patriots. This could be the worst game of the week. The only reason I'm picking the Chargers is because the Patriots quarterback situation is a complete and utter dumpster fire. You saw that last week against the Giants, where the Giant fans were booing the Patriots for taking Mac Jones out of the game because he had been so horrendous. And Bailey Zappi comes in as not much better. Giants defense had the performance of the year for the most part last week, but against a lousy offensive team, the New England Patriots. I mean, outside of probably Ron Rivera, and I touched on this a little bit, Brendan Staley's got the hottest seat in the NFL. Chargers go into New England, and they'll get a victory, but it's going to be ugly. And just looking around the rest of the league, Miami goes to Washington. I'm all over Miami on this one. Carolina, Frank Reich is out after 11 games, so they're going through another coaching carousel down there in Carolina. Tampa Bay is going to be a big favorite at home. I think they get the win in the 4 o'clock hour. Cleveland, you know, no more Deshaun Watson. That's been the case for a couple of weeks. They go to the Rams. You know, when you, when you look at this game, and we had just talked about the playoff picture a moment ago, right? Playoff start today, Cleveland's in as the six. You can't totally dismiss the Rams in this thing either. Granted, they're third in the NFC West. But like Green Bay and like the Saints, they're knocking on the door ready to kick it in at five and six. San Francisco's been very good, the leaders of the NFC West. Seattle right now is second in the NFC West at six and six. They're the last team in right now, but the Rams are right there. I like the Rams to win this game, to get to 6-6 six and six at home, and then we'll see how the rest of the games unfold the rest of the, the weekend. San Fran goes to Philly. Now, last week, you'll remember, I picked Buffalo in the upset, and it was looking pretty good. Philly's just a freaking freight train right now. But here comes a San Francisco team that seems to have rejuvenated itself in the last couple of weeks. They looked great against Seattle on Thanksgiving, particularly Christian McCaffrey. I like San Francisco going into Philadelphia and winning this game. If this was a playoff game, I probably would go to Philly because I've been saying for weeks, like many, many other people, not like I'm Nostradamus here, I think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. But I like San Francisco this week. The Eagles got to lose sometime. And then you can start to have a little bit fun with what comes next week for the Eagles in week 14, which would be the Dallas Cowboys, which I believe is the Sunday night game. If it's not, it certainly will become. Uh, this is a 425 between San Fran and Philly. Give me San Fran close, physical, entertaining, on the road. Kansas City goes to Green Bay. This will be Jordan Love's biggest test. He gets his biggest win last week on Thanksgiving against uh, Detroit in Michigan. As much as I would love to say it happens again, especially with Green Bay being home, I'm going to go KC here. Uh, this is your Sunday night game. And then wrapping up the week Monday, since he goes to Jacksonville, barring a lull, I don't really see too much of a problem for a Jacksonville team over the last couple of weeks has done a better job minus that little blip where they took the real beating from San Francisco, really finding itself and proving that they can win tough, close games in the trenches like they did last week in Houston. Give me Jacksonville here. If you're looking for a combined number in this score, if you're into the total points over under, I would probably set that uh, total score wise at about 44, 45, 46 there uh, in that Monday night game. So lots of games taking place uh, around the league this week. 
and it, and it's going to make really um, for one hell of a weekend, especially if you have the rooting interest there. Big game for the Falcons against the Jets. Got to have it. The San Fran Philly game, right? If San Francisco wants to play their way, potentially maybe with six weeks left, still staying in the race for the number one seed at eight and three and Philly at 10 and one, got to get the W. So there's big games in the division. It's a big game for the Rams against Cleveland. You've got a lot going on there, um, which is going to make for, once again, uh, a really interesting weekend um, of football. And before we get into our college football segment, happy to announce that we can take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. I'm Sensei Felicia. I'm Sensei Mike Karim, and we are the owners and instructors of Dento Tekina, Judo Jiu-Jitsu, and MMA Dojo on Victory Boulevard in San Al, New York. If you're looking to improve or refocus your overall physical and mental health, come join us on the mat where we offer a variety of classes from ages four and up for all experience levels. Whether you're interested in self-defense, learning the traditional Japanese fighting methods of Judo and Jiu-Jitsu, or taking our MMA conditioning courses, we have what you need to take your training methods to the next level. So come join us at Dento Tekina Judo Jiu-Jitsu and MMA Dojo on Staten Island. A big thanks for the support to the show from uh, Mike and Felicia at Dento Tekina, Judo Jiu-Jitsu, and MMA Jojo. They do a, a phenomenal job. Adults, the kids, they, they have uh, hit classes, high-impact training, interval training, anything you need. They service all of New York City based out on Staten Island, which is actually not too far from where I live. So a big thanks to them for repping sports today with Peter J. Um, and adding just even outside of the listenership and the viewership, more legitimacy to a program that, because of you, the listeners, continues to grow on a week-to-week basis. All right, here we are. Outside of the bowl season and the Final Four National Championship, this is the biggest weekend in college football. And it starts tonight, Friday night, for those listening live. You've got round two, right, between number three Washington and number five Oregon. Pac-12 title on the line. And this is going to be the final Pac-12 title game as the league is currently constructed. You look ahead to next year, only Oregon State and Washington State on paper remain in the league as of now. And if you go back to October 14th in Seattle, it was a thriller that Washington won. So I've, I've, I've gone back and forth over this game. By the way, you've heard me say it time and time again, what Dan Lanning has done in just his second year at Oregon, 21-4. and Kalen DeBoer is in his second year at Washington, 23-2. and They've been phenomenal in building these programs back up, specifically Oregon, to where people expect them to be. Now, Oregon's going to roll out as a heavy favorite. They're minus 10, last I checked. Might have gone down to 9.5. It's been fluctuating around there. They've got the most explosive offense in, the, in, in all of college football and led by probably the Heisman frontrunner and quarterback Bo Nix. On the other side of that, you got Washington quarterback Michael Penix, who's also in Heisman contention. Through four touchdowns the last time these two teams met, it was some head-scratching decision-making, a missed field goal for Oregon that sort of cost them that game. But because of that, and with many people not really knowing or being told whether or not Michael Penix was banged up the last couple of weeks, was he sick, was he under the weather, what, what was it? Michael Penix is all systems go tonight, folks, for the Pac-12 title game. 
I think it's another thriller. Had you asked me yesterday, I I might have been able to been tweaked into talking and picking Oregon. But I've been on this Washington bandwagon all season, and I'm not getting off now. Washington gets it done again to the tune of something in the ballpark, 34-31. I think it's a great game. It's in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play. Oregon's a big a two-score favorite. Give me Washington. And I guess to some people would be, I mean, 75% of the country, 80% seems to be picking Oregon in this game. Give me the Huskies. Let's see what happens. Been backing them all year. I'm not stopping now. Big 12 championship game, Saturday, December 2nd. That's a noon Eastern kick on ABC. And Texas is going to roll out as a big favorite at minus 15. Minus 15 and a half. Now, Texas with the one loss to Oklahoma uh, back in early October is not out of this playoff race. I'll give some scenarios in a minute of how chaos can really take hold of this. Texas gets a big win here, and I expect that they will. Uh, 28-17 Texas over OK State. You know, that being said, you, you for Oklahoma State, you want to watch their running back, Ollie Gordon II. He's one of the most unheralded backs in the country. 20 scores, 1,500-plus yards this year. Now, you got Jonathan Brooks on the other side of that 1,000-yard rusher for Texas and a good quarterback in Quinn Ewers, who was an early-season Heisman candidate until he got hurt. This is a really good Texas team. You know, I expect Texas to take care of business, but this is an Oklahoma State team that following a 2-2 two and two start is 1-7 of 8. At 9-3, and three, they are a good football team. You might flirt with taking OK State to cover here. I don't see them winning the game. By my prediction, 28-17, that would be a cover at minus 15.5, but I do like Texas. I just think there's too much firepower for a Texas team that hasn't won a Big 12 title since 2009, and it would be a good send-off for the Big 12 because Texas opened the Big 12 title run with the first-ever league title in 96, and they can close out the 27-year history of the league with a, with their first Big 12 crown since 09, should they get the job done Saturday at noon. The biggie, where a lot of things could really unfold, is between Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship. 3.30 Eastern time Saturday. Game's going to be on CBS. Storylines galore. Georgia going for 30th thirtieth consecutive victory. They've never beaten Alabama. Or I should say they haven't beaten Alabama in Atlanta since 1942. And that's where the game is being played. This is the fourth time They'll meet in the SEC title game. Georgia's also never won that game when playing Alabama. That goes 2012, 18, and 21. The reason that this game is even more essential to the CFP picture is because of what Alabama did a week ago, and you heard it in the open. Fourth and goal from the 31-yard line of Auburn on the road with under 40 seconds to go. 
Jalen Milrow throws it to the corner of the end zone, and it's a game-winning touchdown. You talk about miracles in football and another unbelievable finish in the Iron Bowl. You got that last week. Alabama's only losses to Texas. So they are still very much alive in this college football playoff. Which, again, this is the last year the CFP is going to be four teams. It expands to 12, thank goodness, next season. The game is close, but give me Georgia, 31-28. Interesting game in the AAC, Tulane-SMU. The winner of this game is going to go to a New Year's Six. The loser will go somewhere fancy as well. These are the only two undefeated teams in the AAC this year. Tulane's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The game is Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern. ABC. If Tulane gets the win, this is a cool this is a cool little little tidbit here as well. If they get the win, which I which you know I could go either way on this. If they get the win, it'll be con- consecutive conference titles for Tulane since 1930-1931. Now, SMU's going with a backup quarterback Kevin Jennings, Preston Stone, who's had a phenomenal year, nearly 30 touchdowns, injured last week, broke his leg in a big win over Navy. Last year, Tulane hammered SMU, 59-24. I think this is a close one. I think that spread is accurate. Give me Tulane, right? Preston Stone's playing in this game. Maybe it changes my mind with the way he played this year. But you talk about head coach Willie Fritz for Tulane. He's going to be sought this offseason. He'll be a hot name, especially for some Power 5 teams looking to fill jobs because there's going to be more of them than there already are. So give me Tulane in a close game. Big Ten Championship, Michigan-Iowa. Look, Michigan's a monster favorite at 22 points. It's an 8 o'clock game Saturday on Fox. I've been saying it for weeks. Regard, you know, The winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game, which turned out to be Michigan in a good game, was not going to lose the Big Ten title game to Iowa, who we've known has been in this game for weeks. Iowa's got a good defense. But the offense, and it's a thing with Kirk Ferentz, who I like, and it's an Iowa program that I've enjoyed watching as a diehard college football fan, that they have not been able to figure this out. This is, again, an offense. This year, 15.5 points a game. Their only game against a ranked opponent this year was a 31-0 drubbing to Penn State, who was ranked 7th at the time. That was way back September 23rd. To say that it's not a good Iowa football team would be absurd because they are. There is absolutely no way. I, I And I'm telling you, I would be stunned if this game is remotely close. This is a Michigan team that's got one of the best defenses in the country. They can put up points at will when they need to. You look at wins over Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, and even Rutgers. Quality victories that can help a team get ready for games like this because this is obviously a big game. Big Ten championship game, you win Michigan, you're in. Lose, barring, which would be a disaster, and without help, you're out. Michigan's going to roll in this game, 37-10. My score might not be accurate, but Michigan's going to put it on them, which would be even more impressive because this number 16-ranked Iowa team is not a bad football team. Michigan is exponentially better. ACC championship, Florida State-Louisville. Now, news came out earlier. This game's going to be Saturday 8. Uh, Eastern on ABC, Florida State, a less than two-point favorite, one and a half. All right, Louisville's team speed is alarming. We've seen it all season in Jeff Brom's uh, 
first go-around leading his alma mater. He's got him ranked in the top 15. News breaks earlier that Florida State quarterback Tate Rodemacher, who took over, you'll remember, a couple of weeks ago when Jordan Travis went down with a leg injury for the rest of the year, ending his college career, is a game-day decision. Rodemacher got popped going to the ground last week in a grueling victory over Florida. So it is not yet known, as we sit here for those listening live on Friday night, if Rodemacher's going to play. Regardless of that, with a player out of the backfield like Jawar Jordan and Jamari Thrash on the outside, no Jordan Travis for Florida State, who, yes, has a good defense. I just, and with, you know, murky waters that you're navigating at the QB position, I'm going with the upset, like I did in the Washington Oregon game. Give me Louisville 24 20. It's going to be interesting to see what happens at that QB position, obviously, because this would be the second time Florida State would have had to address that in a month or less than a month. But I like Louisville in this game. I've liked Louisville all year. They've got marquee wins on their schedules, uh, especially with the way they were basically manhandled Notre Dame at home a couple of weeks ago. This is a good Louisville team. And the th- on paper, when you look at this, and you can go back and look at both schedules, Florida State comes in undefeated. Louisville's got speed galore and quality victories. They've had some lulls on the schedule, but they're a legit top 15 team. This is a game between two top 20 defenses and two top 30 offenses. That is impressive. For a lot of the disrespect the ACC has gotten over the years outside of Clemson, give me two teams who don't deserve it as much as Florida State and Louisville to be in this spot and get the national respect that they should get even without Jordan Travis of Florida State. Understanding what Louisville has done in year one under Brom, it's impressive. And it doesn't get the clout and respect that it should, so I'm going to try to do it. Give me Louisville in this game. I think it's going to be a phenomenal one, close regardless of who uh, Florida State has under center, if it's Rodemacher or whoever, Louisville gets the win. Then you got undefeated Liberty, 12-0, looking to cap an undefeated regular season. Uh, with a win over New Mexico State in the Conference USA Championship. If you're listening live, that game's about an hour in um, on CBS Sports Network. Liberty's great. On both sides of the ball, they can get up and down the field. They hit me in the mouth, and they can put up points. Uh, This is a fun team to watch. It's going to be interesting to see if they get the win tonight over Jerry Kill's New Mexico State team in the Conference USA title, where they put them come bowl time. Now, you've got the top four. And if you take a look at what this college football playoff looks like now, if it started based on ranking, Georgia's one, Michigan two, Washington three, Florida State four, Oregon, Ohio State at five, six. We're not totally dismissing Ohio State here, and I'll explain why. A nightmare scenario for the selection committee. There's a few, but one that I have kind of honed in on would be this. Alabama's getting a shot at Georgia in the SEC title game. We know that. And a loss by Alabama eliminates them from the Final Four. You would think a close loss by Georgia might keep them in. But what happens if you get a one-loss in SEC champion Alabama and an undefeated ACC champion Florida State playing a third-string quarterback? Assuming you put Georgia in. Now, we know Washington's going if they beat Oregon for a second time. 
and a loss for Oregon completely eliminates them. But what would happen if Oregon and Alabama both win? Iowa beating Michigan would be a monster upset. It can't be ruled out, but it's not going to happen. So if Florida State wins, they're they're in, right? It's murky. Where does Texas fit into the equation if they win the Big 12 title game? Chaos comes like this. If Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12, Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC, Florida State beats Louisville in the ACC, Michigan, we're assuming they're going to beat Iowa in the Big 10, and then Texas wins the Big 12 title over Oklahoma State. With that scenario, folks, the committee would have to take four teams from a group that would then include an undefeated Florida State and Michigan team and one lost squads in Washington, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and you can put Ohio State into that mix. In that scenario, where would I personally go? Again, it's tough, especially when you get to the end. I would have to have Michigan at one, Florida State at two, Oregon at three. You can flip-flop those. And Alabama at four, meaning the two-time defending champion who would have won 31 consecutive games to get to the Final Four because they would have potentially won the SEC championship game, Georgia, with the one loss, would be out. You'd have to put Oregon in there because beating Michael Penix Jr. in Washington would not be easy. Texas, Georgia, Washington in that scenario, Ohio State, would they get bumped to the New Year's Six game? I mean, it could get really crazy. And wouldn't it be an appropriate send-off, right? If you don't have a dog in the race, you're rooting for chaos. Because you got eight teams with essentially five games that have the impact on this college football playoff. Right? If Washington and Florida State lose, but Oregon beats Washington, Texas beats Oklahoma State, Georgia beats Alabama, Louisville beats Florida State, and Michigan beats Iowa. Then you can change it around and say, okay, Georgia, you're in. Michigan, you're in. Oregon, it would be in. In that situation, Texas would probably be in with Ohio State, Florida State, and Washington on the way out. I mean, Michigan losing would open the door for for even a a one-loss Washington team, potentially, if other things happen. But what happens if we were left, let's say, as we come to the end of the program? This was another fun one. That we get through the conference championship weekend. And we're ready to make the selections. And there are no unbeaten teams outside of Liberty, who's not factoring into this. That would have meant that Oregon would beat Washington in the Pac-12. Stay with me. Texas would beat Oklahoma State. Texas is already a one-loss team. Alabama would have beaten Georgia. Alabama's got the one loss already. That would be Georgia's first loss. Iowa would beat Michigan in a monster upset. And then Louisville will have to beat Florida State. What do you do then? You know what I might do? I might have Texas as my one. Oregon as my two. And then I think you might be able to go Alabama three, Georgia four. And you'd get two SEC teams in there. Michigan's out, Florida State would be out, 
OSU's out via that loss to Michigan, who they're not going to put in over Michigan, having lost to them, and then Washington. I mean, there are so many ways you can go with this, ultimately, based on the picks I gave you. You know, I, I, I Georgia gets it done in the SEC close. They're in. Michigan beats Iowa. They're in. I like Washington in the upset. They're in. You know, I, I like Louisville over Florida State. So where do we go here? If Texas wins, you put Texas in. Ohio State in the rankings. Actually, when you look at that picture, as constituted on December 1st, Ohio State is 6, Texas is 7. So there's a lot that can happen there. What would I do? Texas would be my 4, if that were the case. But damn right to say that a lot can happen. And in this, the final year of having just a four-team playoff, we would love to have that chaos. Hey, listen, I know I keep saying it every week. There's just so much to go on with the National Football League and college football. There's so much to talk about with college basketball, NBA, NHL. We're going to get into all of it, I promise, right? NFL heating up. I gave you my picks there for, for week 13. Lock some of those in. And then enjoy the college uh, football uh, this weekend. Because outside of bowl season and the CFP, this is as good as it gets. Again, want to thank our sponsor of Sports Today with Peter J. New York City's Dento Tekinah Judo Jiu-Jitsu and MMA Dojo for taking the reins and becoming the first sponsor of the program. I'll be back next weekend, next week, December 8th, 7 p.m., you know where to go, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeartRadio, tune in, the works, Sports Today with Peter J. You can subscribe and follow the program on all of those platforms. Hey, enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. I'll talk to you in seven days' times. It's going to be a hell of a two-day stretch for college and pro football. Enjoy it, folks. And as always, go Irish. Listen to Sports Today with Peter J. Every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We'll see you there.